The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Episode number 115 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is November 6th, 2018. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jason Totoro. Whoa, hello, sir. What are you up to? Did you, Not vote? A whole Did lot. you vote today? Of course. Good. Uh, that's what you're supposed lot. to do. Say it again? I was saying that's what you're supposed to do, is well, do that. Of course. I saw my, I, I live next to this really old couple, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I saw them. I was our polling place is literally a ninety second walk from my house. So That's funny. Uh, I was just walking over there, and uh, I saw them leaving. They were walking back to their house um, as I was as I was walking up. I said hi to them and stuff, and they told me that they just voted, but only she is a husband and wife. Only the wife voted, and the husband was going to go back later in the afternoon to vote. That's funny. That's like, really fine. You go, okay, so you guys are just making a day out of this. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I imagine when you're at that point in your life, that's kind of like the adventure. Of the you got to spread out the adventures. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to get too excited at once. Did you have any adventures uh, at your no. polling place? That's good. No. Um, How about you? Uh, no, it was pretty uneventful. Besides, besides that, what else is going on? Uh, well, we can jump into the big topic if you want to jump into that. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I mean, you know I'm teething for it. Yeah, let's, all right, so news, Jay. I've uh, heard a little bit here and there, but why don't you tell us about BlizzCon? Um, so a couple things going into it. So Blizzard announced that they would be doing a classic WoW demo if you bought the virtual ticket. I didn't end up buying the virtual ticket because I was just like, ah, it's $50 to play a demo of a game that was released 15 years ago. That's a little, little ridiculous. you did not? I did not. Yeah, no, I just sat on MMO Champion like a lot of people. I watched the I watched the opening ceremony, uh, and then I just kind of was refreshing MMO Champion throughout the day, just looking at patch notes. So we'll start with the shorter stuff first, and we'll go into the longer ones later. Uh, first one, they did a really pre- good presentation for Overwatch. Um, Overwatch, obviously, their oh, really? newest IP. What'd you say? I said, oh, really? Yeah, they have they have an esports stadium that they built specifically for Overwatch, but they utilize it for like StarCraft, and I think they use it for WoW as well. Uh, but they did a really good presentation that the host for it, he, I believe he's one of the developers, or maybe the main developer, seemed very into his project, seemed like he actually cared about the community. It didn't seem like he was saying things just because it was the right thing to say. Um, you know, he, he was making esports references, but they weren't forced. They seemed pretty, okay. pretty Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was like, kind of nice. How about this meme? Oh, right, guys? oh is this, well, we're going from game to game. <laughs> Okay, 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 all right, all right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, there was later. no news about StarCraft <laughs> that I saw. I didn't see I didn't see anything crazy that was had me interested. Um, they did announce a Warcraft 3 remaster, which was probably the most exciting thing for the weekend for me because uh, I think it's just a great, great, great idea to do, especially since, you know, StarCraft is fading. It gives them, it gives them a chance to sort of put 
put give uh, Warcraft a chance to replace Starcraft as that strategical uh, RTS. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we'll jump into Diablo next because this is this is great. This so is a shitstorm. Oh, this is this is hilarious. So going into the weekend, um, I, I you know I was making bets with all my friends if they were going to announce a Warcraft or excuse me a Diablo four or if they were going to announce Diablo two uh, remake. And I think a lot of people were feeling that we haven't heard anything about a new. Uh, new new Diablo in a bit since Reaper of Souls. Uh, four, you know, we weren't expecting a release date maybe for four, but just, you know, maybe some gameplay, some some footage or whatever they're doing. And it's like, if not that, okay, then maybe in the meantime, they're going to do a D2 remake because God only knows how many people would play a D2 remake at this point. But they decided to go the route that people actually wanted and they made a mobile game. <laughs> that actually wanted. <laughs> yeah, and they specifically told us that's what we want. Uh, which Blizzard is notorious for telling its consumers what they want and then giving that idea that they think that we want even though we told them something something completely different and telling so you what was, you don't want it was abysmal i mean it was it was ridiculous you've just seen the crowd it was just like oh i watched i watched a couple of odds of it and i was just laughing and, and the best part is is this guy they had they did a q a after the announcement and he walks up to the podium and he goes oh yeah so was this like a late season April fool joke or, or what and of course, the developer, whoever the fuck he was, was like, "No, no, you know, everybody has a everybody has a phone, so we want to make this accessible to everybody." And of course, that spawned the meme: "We all fucking have computers too. Why not make a computer game?" And so there's just this this meme has been all over the internet this week, and I've been dying laughing at because it it's just Blizzard <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot again. They're just they're not listening to their consumers. The consumers tell them what they want. They they literally it's like the fry meme. Like we're throwing money at them. Like please just do this. And they're like, so you want this? You want a mobile game? Like <laughs> Jesus, it's so embarrassing. Like I love Blizzard. They have so many great IPs, and it's just it's such a slap in the face. It was just such a slap in the face. And again, I'm sure the the, the mobile game is going to be cool, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be very niche, but it's not going to be. Diablo 4, it's not going to be a D2 remake, which is really what people wanted. I, I don't know what your thoughts were about it, but that was... I mean, I don't really have a strong opinion about it. I don't care too much about Diablo. Um, it, se it seemed like the reaction was a bit overblown from what I saw. Mm. Uh, people were just freaking the fuck out about oh, this. Oh, of course. Uh, whereas, yes, I agree with you. It sounds like it's a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. Doesn't sound like something... That, I mean, I don't know why they, it doesn't sound like something that the fan base would be interested in, but at the yeah, same I, time, I like chill, like at some point you just need to start chilling out about things also. Well, I, I agree with you, but I disagree with you at the same time because Blizzard as a company, I mean, if, if it's, it's crazy to me because I, I think okay, they did it for a couple of reasons. I think one, they wanted a mobile game. I think they wanted a strong mobile game other than Hearthstone to push into that market because the mobile market is, is massive and there's a ton of opportunities for microtransactions. So I completely understand that. But I, I agree with you to an extent that people were a little bit over the top with it, but at the same time, at a certain point, it people need to be loud enough for Blizzard to hear, then okay, I'm okay with it because I really want Blizzard to develop games that we want that are exciting because they, they, they're Blizzard, right? Like we all, historically, it's been very exciting when they bring out new games. And with this one, I was like, and this isn't the worst part of the weekend. That's the best part. Well, like, this was bad. And then it gets worse. All right, hold on, real quick, real quick. I agree with you. Yes, you should voice, you should make your voice heard when a company, when you know, that, whose games you like, make something that you don't like. Because, yeah. you know, everybody wins if we have feedback all the way around. Well, they um, make more money. Well, potentially make but, more money, but yeah. 
the 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 extent that this was blown up seemed vastly disproportionate to me. I love <laughs> there, the memes though. There is a, yeah, no, memes that's that's fine. But like how just angry people were getting, there was literally mm-hmm. a post on Reddit, I think it was on the Diablo subreddit, that said and it was very heavily upvoted as well. It was um yeah, we are witnessing. Okay, yeah, this is it. We are witnessing the biggest scam in the history of video games. Oh, that's definitely an over. That's an <laughs> exaggeration for sure. I mean, it's to me, it is a little bit of a scam. Oh, sorry, based on what I think Blizzard's intention is with it, but it is by no means the biggest scam in video games. No, let's talk about all not. the games that uh, we paid for that never came. Out. <laughs> yeah, those are the biggest scam. Those are the big scams, and there's plenty of other stuff that we're not thinking of. So yes. Uh, I do agree with you. I also think that um, it's really being blown out of proportion. Not by you, not by oh, no. everybody, I, but, by, but by plenty of people. In honesty, like you, I, I like Diablo. I don't love Diablo. I'm just frustrated with Blizzard. I mean, it was it was this, and then it was the other topic we're going to jump into. It's just like, oh my god, right, what's what the fuck other, are you guys doing? I don't know if I heard about this. What's the other thing? Jesus then? Christ. So... <laughs> Uh, so Blizzard, obviously, they did their classic WoW demo. Um, they made some... So, so it was really funny because I, I watched the live stream and it's like they talked about their upcoming patches for WoW. Uh, they talked about the new content and everything. Very much excitement. Then they jumped into classic and there was more excitement. And it was really great to see because there was just a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of interest in this project, which will hopefully fix the issue that, that we have with it. But uh, Blizzard released a demo for Classic WoW at BlizzCon. So you could play for, and if you bought the virtual ticket, you could play for an ext- like a couple hours at a time, and then you had to pause, and then you had to play again. And they, they did that to limit That's the weird. amount of people that were on the servers, oh, okay. which is really stupid. They, 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 you log on, you had like, I think you got an hour. Well, I think it, then, it makes sense because it's really hard to do server stress tests, especially with stuff like that. So instead of it just crashing well, for everybody... That's probably. I, I agree the with you, but at the same time, it's like people paid fifty dollars. I, I don't know. I, I guess. I guess. I, I, this really doesn't matter. This piece of it doesn't matter. Okay. It, it. Everybody got their opportunity to try it, and there were a massive number of issues with it. So the release date they said <laughs> no, it, no. It is assumed to be July. Uh, one of the characters in game was named July, and Blizzard. There, there was some hinting to July, and they mentioned that it would be released in uh, summer of this upcoming year. So that's nine months away, but two months are out of the way because it's two massive holiday months and then you know obviously they would probably want to have it ready by would you say june to go live in july so they got like six months and they said they've been working on it for a year and it for the most part it it was okay but it seemed like they didn't listen over the course of this last year to what people were asking for with this project okay so the first oh, no. the, very, the, the number one problem with this is they introduced instant sharding and so what this is uh back in the day you had a cap of people on servers. So if you played on a server, there was about three to 5,000 at cap, at peak, on your server. So it wasn't a big issue. But for a project like this, where they're, where they're going to have a lot of people funneled onto servers, because Blizzard doesn't do broken up servers anymore like they used to. They do this thing called instance sharding, where essentially, if there's a large amount of people in a given area, it will start fragmenting the, the people away from each other. So you and I may, be, may not be able to see each other, even though we're standing in the same exact spot, purely based on the population. So you're in the same we- server, but you just don't see each other exactly so okay. if, if you and i are in a very populated zone and we're both online at the same time we may not be able to see each other because you and i are in a distant different instant shards okay so if you think about it there's a, a main main you know the main server and then there's these little shards that break off from it based on how how many people are in a designated area gotcha. they introduced that i believe in cataclysm i'm not sure exactly when it was but 
for vanilla, it's very critical. It, it's, it, I'm going to, this sounds weird, but the essence of vanilla, there are certain things that are required to keep it intact. And this is something that is very detrimental to it because what, ends up, what Blizzard said, they are going to utilize it where they see, where, where, they, where it needs to be done, which is very concerning because one, that means they think it's an on-off switch, which it's not. And they also are saying that based on their judgment, they're going to do it, which can cause a lot of issues. So community is everything to Classic WoW. It is is very, very community focused. You are on a server with people that you know, and you consistently play with them or against them. And when you start breaking people up randomly, for instance, if a world boss spawns, right, where everybody's contesting for this <laughs> world boss, you and I can't see each other. We might be fighting two different world bosses. Wait, does now, it not like look to see whether you're partied up with the people that it's... If you're in a party together, you can see each other because you'll instant shard together. But, okay, so it does at yeah. least do that. It does that. And and they specifically said for world bosses, they're going to limit instant sharding. But that is more concerning because they haven't... The, the reason they did instant sharding is because they don't want to have a ton of servers like they used to have. But the problem is they haven't found a solution other than instant sharding for some of these large events. There are global events that happen in Classic WoW where the entire server is going to be there for an extended period of time. And it's going to cause a lot of issues. And so... They, are, they were kind of back and forth about this instant sharding thing. They said they weren't going to use it for world bosses, but they don't have a solution other than that for these high contested areas. Their intention with it, they said, was to use it at the beginning of the game when everybody's logging in the first day. There's going to be a ton of people flooding the starting zones, and right. they wanted to do it to make the leveling experience a little bit smoother. Okay, if, if that was it, I would still be very uneasy, but okay. But then they said they're going to utilize it based on when they see it needing to be done. And that really concerns me because one, like I said, this is a very community-driven project. So when I, when you and I roll on a server together, we're going to be on that server. We're going to be investing a many hours into your character, and you're going to be interacting with the same people generally. You're going to be interacting with people on this one server. It's not like people are going to be coming in and out. And so what ends up happening is you start doing some larger events, either you want to do world PvP or if you want to do some sort of interaction with, with PvE. When you all of a sudden decide you're going to start fracturing people off, it ruins this whole idea of community. Right. This is only one of the issues that they had. This was the biggest issue to me. But there's a pairing that goes with this. One of the things that they said is if you pick up an item that's bind on pickup, which means the second you loot it, it is sold down to your character, uh -huh. they're going to allow people to trade them, which again is hmm. damages this essence, this, this required piece. And they keep doing this. And I'm, I'm looking at a thread right now that's probably about two to 300 lines long of all the different issues that there are with this with this project. And they are about, based on what I'm assuming with holidays and everything, they probably have six months to work on this. And I don't think they're going, I don't actually think they're going to fix everything in time. I don't think they intend to. I know they probably think it's not worth it for, for, for them from a monetary perspective. I think what they're going to do is they show this project off this weekend to see how accepting the community would be if this was the final project. And generally, people were pretty okay with it. There was obviously a large voice with, you know, my, my kind of people where people were very frustrated and very concerned and basically said, Blizzard, if you guys don't fix us, we're not going to be involved. We're not going to participate with it. So I think Blizzard is going to do some minor adjustments to get this a little bit cleaner, maybe polish it. I don't think they're going to fix the major issues that are with this project and it's going to fail. It's going to succeed for a couple weeks or a couple months, maybe just like their last expansion did, but it's ultimately going to fail. And this, to me, is just another another symptom similar to the Diablo one, where Blizzard is not listening to their consumers, and I think it could actually come back to bite them in the ass pretty hard. WoW is WoW as a whole is not doing well. 
this expansion had the fastest drop-off of any expansion that they've ever released. So that means people are playing the game for shorter amounts of time. I know more people that didn't buy this expansion than any other expansion before it. And I think ultimately they're going to start losing money in WoW. And I think that they could have done something very intelligent with this project is make a high quality uh, sort of resurrection of the original quality of the game and smoothly transition people from the old or from the newest one back to the old one if they did it if they did it appropriately. Instead, they're doing a half-assed project to sort of appease people, and they're basically going to shove their face and be like, "Well, we tried. The, the, you guys asked for it. This is what we got." And the worst part, yeah, about yeah, this the whole classic thing, like, "Oh, see, <laughs> it didn't turn yeah, out well." You guys so. didn't want it anyways. <laughs> and on top of that, the worst part about this whole thing is. I guarantee you the second this releases, majority of the private servers are going to fade away because people are going to hop on here. They're going to get so just disgusted with this and they're going to stop. At that point, I know be much more aggressive uh, with shutting down private servers because guess what? They offer the software that people want, or yeah. excuse me, the software that is offered by private servers, which has historically been the excuse for it. I think Blizzard's going to get more aggressive and I think they're going to shut down all these servers, which is even worse because then the community gets even smaller. And it's just, it's so sad. I mean, Blizzard is historically such a great company. I love their IPs. I love the I love the the lore of Warcraft. I love Starcraft. You know more than anybody. I have enjoyed Diablo throughout my entire life. And to see this at this last BlizzCon, it was just, ugh. It just it just felt like an EA thing to do. Like it just did not feel good at the end of it, and it was really disappointing. And I, I went into this weekend because we had the ending of Worlds for League of Legends. We had amazing fight on Saturday, and we had BlizzCon going into the weekend. And holy <laughs> shit, was I disappointed. With we even stuff. canceled the podcast. I know. And the worst part is, spoilers for anybody who watched Worlds, we got fucked. <laughs> we literally just Wait, you, slapped across we, the US? stage. We meaning Westerners, non non Okay, okay. Yeah, there were three Western teams in the semifinals, and zero at the end of it. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so real, real- I'm just really sad. Real quick about the sharding stuff. Do you think sure. it's necessary to have it now because the game is just so big that if you didn't include that, it would just be chaos? In the current setting of WoW, I don't know, and I don't. Ca- I, I I'll be honest with you. In the current iteration of WoW, because I, I bought the expansion, played it for a few months. This was one of the most frustrating things about it. This, this is a prime example. I was talking to my brother about this. I'm on retail WoW, and I'm leveling. Somebody kills me, and I'm like, mother, fuck, I'm gonna. I'm going to strangle this person. So I get back to my body and I go run after the guy and I see him fade up because we <laughs> sharded away from each other. So I can't see him anymore. Yeah. I, I can't hop to a server because I don't know where he is. So he's gone. So this guy just gets to kill me and leave. Now, let's go back to last Saturday, right? I'm leveling on my mage on a private server and some motherfucker kills me while I'm, while I'm drinking. I was very low and I was just finished killing something and I was drinking. This guy kills me. I get back to my body and I'm typing in world chat. I'm like, where is so-and-so? And I said the guy's name. I said it like a bunch of times. Okay, fast forward. 35 <laughs> minutes later, I finally find this guy, right? I, somebody directed me to where he was. I hunted this guy down. It was a hunter. I sheeped him, killed his pet. I then proceeded to sheep him a bunch more times and just sat there and danced with him and then blew him into pieces. And it was the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> and I was so pissed that you can't do that on retail while wow, because it's one of my favorite things about world PvP is like, I do that, right? So he kills me. I run after him. 30 minutes later, I find him. I kill him. Guess what? His buddy comes over and kills me. So then I bring a buddy. And suddenly there's 16 people running at each other. I haven't leveled once. I've been on three hours. I haven't even gotten a single experience. And I'm just running at these people over and over and over and over and over for hours. And it's so fun. And it's the best part about it is 
I was grouping with random people that I now talk to almost daily that I'm messaging and kind of talking with. And it's like this community that just, it's weird. It, it's, it's, it revolves purely around the community. And that's, that's what I appreciate about it. And I'm super concerned. I'm so concerned. Yeah. It oh. seems kind of weird that they're like, we're bringing back original. Well, but then they're like, well, but we're going to change this and that and this and that. Yeah. And a lot of it too, they said, you know, they don't have data to back it up, but the problem they, they, they can't claim ignorance because there are two people who worked on the largest vanilla project who openly said, if you guys need help, we will be there. They coded a private server and they coded it based on watching videos from early 2000s. Yeah. They literally watched videos to get an idea of, of what the mechanics of bosses are, uh, the HP, certain stats on items, different things like that. They literally coded the system off that. And it's not 100%, but it's pretty damn accurate. And Blizzard's yeah. going, ah, we don't know. We, we, we kind of guessed on some of this. Some of the stuff we had some, some data on, but it's like, Guys, the resources are there. Like, just just use them. And and th- the worst part about this is Blizzard's not the first company that has had this issue with a, a request for a uh, a classic version of their game, EverQuest. Uh, I never played EverQuest too much. I, I touched it a little here and there. But EverQuest, uh, as it got into EverQuest 2 and later on, people were asking for a for a classic version of the game a, a, to do a refresh on it. And the company that makes it, I don't, I don't know the name of them, but they... They didn't do it themselves. What they ended up doing is they hired a private server that was creating a community and developing the server themselves. They hired them to code it and run it and support it. And they funded it. And guess what? It's, I believe, uh, last I checked, it's still up. And it's still decently populated. But it's like that is the kind of thing that developers do if they want consumers to feel like they're appreciated. right? Because you're saying these consumers were so passionate about your project that they spent their own money and time to code this from the ground up. And the consumer, or the, the the developer comes in and says, "That's really impressive. Here's a bunch of money. Do it." Instead, Blizzard goes, "Here's a cease and desist letter to every one of these servers because they didn't want to do it themselves until now, and now they're going to do a half-ass job." It's like, why? Why? It just, ugh, ugh. Yep. I'm so sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was Jay. really sad. That's I mean, it's, I, I'll be honest with you. I went into the weekend excited. But I had a realistic expectation of what the outcome was going to be. Kind of like um, Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis, <laughs> right? Uh, my expectations of that, no, my expectations of that were very accurate. That's what I said. You just said you were excited, oh. but your expectations turned out like what you thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Come on. It was a perfect Honestly, analogy. I wasn't that excited that about this card. I really wasn't that excited going into it. Yeah, just really just that and the co-main event were all I cared about. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so there's your BlizzCon update 2018. Thanks, Jay Totoro. You're on the scene right now. Um, we appreciate you traveling to, uh, where is it? Where sure. are you? Where are you? Where is this hot a- a- coverage? Arizona? No, 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 wrong. Where are they having BlizzCon? Oh, uh, Anaheim, California. Yeah, Anaheim. All right, back to me in the studio. Other news. So th- by the way, thank you though for, uh, for all oh, the updates because I didn't, really keep up with anything been hold that in for a couple of days so i'm sorry <laughs> the only news i have is that the the um the the library for the ps classic has been announced so oh this is oh, the, that's uh, actually really exciting to hear yeah the playstation classic which is coming out which is basically just the playstation version of the nintendo classic and the super nintendo classic uh that's coming out next month and they had announced four of the games which I think they announced uh, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy VII, Ridge Racer Type Four, and Tekken Three, uh, and Wild Arms. Uh, maybe there's one more actually, um, but now they have the full list. So 
Well, tw- 20 games. These are the games that will be on the PlayStation Classic. Battle Arena Toshinden. Cool Borders 2. Destruction Derby. Final Fantasy 7. Grand Theft Auto 1. Intelli- Intelligent Cube. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Jumping Flash. Metal Gear Solid. Mr. Driller. <laughs> Mr. Driller. Jesus Christ, Reverend. <laughs> Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Ooh, that's that, a good one. That, was that one of yours? Um, I was trying to remember what was on our list. Sure. I think so, maybe? Yeah, I, I want to say it. maybe it was too. Um, uh, Rayman. Resident yeah. Evil Director's Cut. So basically, oh, thank God it's the Director's Cut. <laughs> yeah. Revelations Persona. Ridge Racer Type 4. Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. It's supposed to be really good. I have not played it. Siphon Filter. <laughs> oh, the running in that game is classic. Tekken 3. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Twisted Metal. And Wild Arms. It's a pretty solid list. I give it like a B plus, A minus. Yeah, I kind of give it like a B plus also. Um, hold on, my notes are freezing. You're good. The hell? Um, I'm pretty sure like four of my list made. It. I'm trying to remember what my full list was, but I know. Hold on, I gotta start. I gotta restart this. Um, I had said Resident Evil. I said Twisted Metal. I said Metal Gear Solid. And I don't remember what my other two were, but I don't see anything on here that's reading a bell. So I think that was probably it. Um, do you, you don't remember what yours were? I no, see. not the top. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, so those are the, that's what they are. And that's all I got for news. So, um, Oh, that's it. That's all the news we have. We just talked for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so let's talk about games for 20 minutes or longer. I like it. I'll go first since you had a big, uh, thank you, big old deal with the um with the thing. I'll talk about it again. <laughs> All right, me. first game. This was one of my New Year's resolutions games. I finally got to. Nice. Silent Hill. Ooh. This is for PS One. Came out in 1999. Silent Hill is uh. I don't want to, I feel like saying Resident Evil clone is doing it a disservice, but it is basically a Resident Evil clone. It's that exact style of game, uh, you know, obviously set in its own universe. It's, you know, it's it's got some different things about it. There's really not that much different about it, honestly. Um, I'd say the overall gameplay loop is uh, (sighs) also not even that different. It's not, but although it's not so... Um, I'd say it's maybe, maybe a little bit, I I would say it's slower and more, uh, focused on kind of like building atmosphere. Whereas Mm. Resident Evil is more, is a little bit more in your face type survival horror. So you, uh, the story is you're driving to this town. I forgot what, for what reason. And God uh, only knows why. And I don't even remember if you crash or if you stop. I think you crash or something. And um, your daughter sort of just like runs off. And you're going to look for her. And this town is like immediately, it's like, wow, something creepy is going on here. Everything is super foggy. You can't, you know, see very far ahead of you at all. 
there are huge like craters essentially in the in the roads all over the place um and then you go into this diner while you're looking for your daughter like i said she's just run off you can't find her so you're 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 essentially trying to find her you go into this diner you talk to this cop and she's like talk to her for a minute and she's like here take my gun (laughs) to keep yourself safe which is kind of funny um so you take her gun and then a big like flying monster flies in the diner and tries to kill you and that's when uh that kind of sets the tone for the whole game. You are in this town, wandering around. It's very misty, and there are monster dogs. There's flying monster things, and there are other monsters that you encounter throughout the game. So, so did you know that there's an alternate ending that you can get immediately at the beginning of the game? You know, you know at <laughs> no. the very beginning. Yeah. So you know at the very beginning when when, when she runs off. Yeah. You turn and walk the opposite direction. You're like, all right, bitch, you're out. <laughs> that, that really gives you an ending. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm funny with that. Oh. You know, you're just like, option to just leave her. You're like, I'm not serious. fucking running in there. Get out of here. Yeah, screw this. I'm out of here. You're exactly. You're just like, nah. That ain't for me. Good luck, though. You're right. So, yeah, okay. So so you're going around looking for and and it's at first, it's just you just wander around the town. You don't know, like, you know, where to go or anything like that. So... You have a map, which thankfully the maps on this game are very helpful. It's always really easy to tell where you are in relation to anything else. And when you're in... Is that sarcasm or are you being serious? No, no, no. It's, I'm being serious. Okay. And it okay. also... And it even like marks stuff on the map for you. Like if you get to an impassable place, then on the map it'll put a big X there to remind you like, hey, you can't get past oh, this Oh, that's kind of cool. And even when... Um, in fact, this is a really good map system now that I think about it. Because in some places, which I'll talk about in a second, you're inside a building. And it's like a... Uh, it's like a it's like a pretty large building that's almost like its own level, basically. Okay. And uh, and this happens frequently. And you, if you go in a door, it even puts a, puts a mark saying you've gone through this door. If you <laughs> if a door is locked, it puts a mark a thing saying it's locked. If it's or door a door wow. that's that's locked in it's like jammed, which means it's not only is it locked, but like you it's not unlockable. Then it puts a separate symbol on it. So uh, it really does a good job of of informing yeah, you like real. what's going on, keeping track of, you know, not only where you've been, but where you might want to return to and that kind of stuff, which uh, is greatly appreciated. But uh, so, but back to the early parts of the game, you start off and you're just like running around town and uh, eventually you find this one house that you can go into and it's got a uh, a locked door in the very back. And there are, you have to have three keys to, to open it. Mm. Um, but the, the thing is, the keys are just in random-ass places of the town. One of them is, I think, in the back of a cop car that's on the side of the street somewhere. Of course, of course. One of them is, is in some alley on top of a trash can or something like that. I don't even remember the third one. So that was kind of weird that you're just... It, granted, it's not a huge town. It doesn't take, you know, forever to run across like you know to run all over the place Mm -hmm. but it's still really weird having just like semi-open area that you're just wandering down the streets looking for you know just looking anywhere you can to find these random keys uh so you get that and you can kind of advance and get to other parts of the city that you couldn't get to before because of these streets that are blocked off by these huge craters and you go into this the school is the is uh the first place that you go to the first like inside place that you go to after the uh after the town. And, uh, you know, of course there's monsters, 
throughout all of this. There's, like I said, there's primarily, especially the first part of the game, there's these monster dogs and these uh, flying oh, things yeah. that attack you. And I, most of the time, just ran past them. Usually, you can just keep on running, and they don't chase you for very long. So I just did that That's most of the time. Boring. Especially outside, because I didn't want to waste my ammo. That's true. Yeah, ammo is very scarce in that game. Well, it's really not, actually. I really? found myself being extremely careful with ammo because I'm used to, you know, because the only other game that I had played like this before were like the Resident yeah. Evil games where that is an issue. But I found that there is always plenty of ammo all the time. Oh, man. That uh, just shows how bad I'm at or was at <laughs> I was picking ammo up all over the place. And like I said, I wasn't using it much. But like after I saved up like 100 bullets, I was like, oh, okay, I guess this isn't like Resident Evil wow. Where you really have to be careful with it. You can use your ammo. Which is also funny because you find ammo just like laying around the school and stuff. <laughs> but so you go to this school and there are these other kind of monsters that are in the hallways. Typically you do have to shoot those because it's harder to run past them and you're going to keep encountering them if you don't kill them. Uh, but one thing I didn't realize at first is when you kill something, you really don't kill it. You knock it out and then you oh, have really? to stomp it or shoot it again after it's knocked out to kill it. So for the so first little while, it, it doesn't work. It will knock it out, and then it'll come back to life later. But if you okay. shoot it one more time after it's knocked out, then you kill it. So okay. I didn't know that. You have to wait till it's knocked out, then shoot it again. Or like I said, once it's knocked out, you can actually just smash. You can just kick it. He does like a smash thing, and that kills it for good. But I didn't know that at first. So there were all these things that I killed that were coming back because I didn't know I had to do like one final attack on them. But uh, I mean, come on, Robert. So you're walking around the school. Everything's super dark. It's really hard to see. You do have a light. And um, there's this, There's some minor so- puzzle solving. Sort of, again, you know, also sort of similar to Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And um, then you you go through this, like, this, this area eventually. And then you kind of come out. And you're sort of back in the school again. But you're in the courtyard. And it seems a little bit different. And then you go back inside. And everything is changed. The layout is the same, but everything it looks like uh it looks like a uh I'm, I'm trying it looks like almost like a slaughterhouse the school does. Oh. It still ha- like I said the still it has the exact same layout, the same hallways, the same rooms, but everything like the walls are like brown and rusty and bloody. There's chains hanging all over the place. There's Ooh. there's dead bodies here and there. There's skeletons and stuff hanging here and there. There's people like you know, in not 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 people, but like corpses in in cages, in cage-looking things, uh, hanging around. Jesus. Yeah, and it's it's and there's like it's it's really creepy because some of the rooms that were classrooms might have like one desk and a chair or something at it, which which somehow <laughs> on its own is creepy. But uh, and so it's it's you're in this kind of like a hell version of the of the building that you were just in, and then of course you got to keep on going. And do other stuff, and eventually you, you there's like a boss there that you fight. Um, while you're doing all this, most of what you're doing is going from room to room, seeing if you can find, seeing if there's anything that you need to pick up, seeing if there's any sort of puzzle that needs to be solved, seeing if there's any locked door that needs to be unlocked, that kind of stuff. So, and that takes quite a while. And then eventually you get past the school and then there's another place just like it, which is a hospital. And it's more or less the same thing. You're walking around halls and going into each individual room, seeing what's in there. And it's all 
got a really, really creepy feel, which it does a good job of. But for me, I got a little bit tired of the gameplay, which was 90% me just walking in and out of rooms. Just walking in the hall, you know, you once you get to the hospital, for instance, then you just got to explore the whole thing. It's The hospital is three levels of hallways and rooms. So you go to the next level, go walk down the hallway, check out, you know, walk into this room, see what there is, pick up something if there's there, leave. Go to the next room. There's probably a bad guy there, kill him, uh, see what there is, leave. Go to the next room, kill anybody that's there, see what there is, and leave. And that gameplay loop sort of just got very repetitive for me. Where I feel like, once again, they were doing a really good job with the atmosphere and uh, and making everything just feel ominous and maybe not outright scary, but at least extremely creepy. Mm-hmm. But as far as the gameplay goes, it got a little bit tiring for me. So I got probably seven-ish hours in, which I think is maybe roughly half the game or maybe even more. But eventually, I just kind of got tired of it because I was just walking indoors the whole time, pretty much opening doors, looking around, picking things up, and killing the occasional thing, which gets gets old on its own. Because when you kill something, it's just you just point at it, you just point in its direction and shoot at it. There's not really a whole. Well, lot of you skill have to involved. stomp its head afterwards. <laughs> stomp its head afterwards. So very good atmosphere gameplay. I feel like is a little bit lacking. To, uh, Nineteen years later, sure. But um, I can see, again, I feel like I always say this, but it's very true, where I can see why and how it was so uh, such a well-known game and why it was so good at the time. I feel like gameplay-wise, it lacks a little bit nowadays. I, I, I think back in the day, too, the atmosphere made up for some of the, the areas it was missing in gameplay. Probably, yeah. Because I remember just being completely engrossed by, by this game and, and Resident Evil as well. Uh, to the point where I didn't even notice some of these major issues or major flaws of it. It was terrifying at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Resident Evil fan either at the same time, but I feel like Resident Evil does a good, or it's been forever since I've played it. I feel like um, Resident Evil did a little bit better job of keeping you engaged while you're trying to solve things and walk around and figure things out. I'd have to play them again to to be able to compare them to each other. I'll take your word for it. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, like I said, I may be wrong. I would have to also play Resident Evil again. Somebody's screaming at their computer right now. But, (laughs) yeah, probably. Or at their their phone. But, um, yeah, Resident Evil, from what I remember, there's a little bit more action. There's a little bit more, oh, shit, I got to get out of this situation. I think there's also a little bit more, however, like randomness with the puzzles where... I've picked up a trillion stones. Where do I, and there's a trillion slots to put these stones in. Where, you know, mm-hmm. what do I do with this slot? What do I do with this stone? I think that got a little bit frustrating, but I think it also, there was a little bit more action in between figuring things out. I could okay. be wrong. So there's, there's Silent Hill. Uh, I got two more. Okay. Next one is, actually I'll say I got one and a half more. The last one doesn't entirely count, but you'll you'll see one in a minute. Next okay. one is, Kirby's Adventure. This Ooh, was one? NES. One is this? this is the NES okay. one. 1993. One of the last NES games to come out on NES. Uh, because of that, the graphics are very good for an NES game. You look at it and it, and it looks... It, it doesn't look 
Super Nintendo level of graphics, but it, you can see like, oh, this kind of looks in between Nintendo and Super Nintendo. It's it's very good for a Nintendo game. Uh, also like, well, no, I also like Nintendo games, but like the Kirby games that preceded this one, namely the Game Boy one, uh, this is a very easy game. I did not beat it because just because I uh, haven't gotten, I, just because I haven't played it long enough yet. But I'm not sure. I also got a little bit tired of it, so I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to play anymore. That's why I'm already talking about it now. But, for example, the first boss, I beat him by standing in one spot and just hitting him over and over again. <laughs> Typical old games. I don't know about that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, and also, you know, since Kirby, you know, there's a there's another problem with Kirby games, which is since he can fly... A lot of the levels you can just fly through yep. and not have to fight most Ignore of the, the mechanics people. entirely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but it but it does have all of the things that make Kirby games fun, which is primarily absorbing people's powers, uh, you know, playing around with with the different powers and stuff, and uh, doing cute things as Kirby, just like looking cute and flying around, blowing up your cheeks to make yourself fly, blowing air bubbles at people, that kind of stuff. He Blowing does. up your cheeks. I know what you're talking about, but damn, that is an odd phrase. <laughs> is that an odd So, you know, and it's got the typical Kirby powers that you think of. You inhale a sword guy, and then you have a sword. Uh, there's a wheel guy that's pretty powerful. He's just a tire that shoots across the ground. And so that's a really good one because when you're using it, you, you go super fast, you kill anybody that hits you, and you can't be hit. The only way you can get killed is by falling into a pit or something by using that. So that's really powerful. One of the last ones I got before I got before I was done playing it, which I think I got ha- halfway or most of the way through the third world, um, is uh, a, it's called a backdrop. It's basically a body slam that you get from this one kind of mini boss if you inhale him, mm-hmm. and you just when you when you use it when you press the attack button, it looks the same where he does the suck in motion, but instead of sucking people in and inhaling them, he like sucks oh them in gosh. and grabs them, and then you press like any direction. And he fly, he like jumps in that direction and slams the person on the ground and kills him. <laughs> that's too funny. So yeah, that was a pretty good one. Uh, but really, that's all that I have to say about Kirby's Adventure. It's if you like Kirby games, this is a fun little Kirby game. It's very unchallenging, and uh, for me, it got—I wouldn't say it got old quickly, but it got to the point where I felt like I had kind of experienced all there was to <laughs> all there was to get out of it. And since, you know, also not being challenged of it by it, I was also like, all right, yes, you know, this was fun, but that's good enough. Makes sense. All right. My last one is not a classic game, um, but, oh. but I'm talking, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up because one, it's semi-relevant uh, for this particular time. And also because even though it's not classic, it was sort of like an instant classic. Um, this game is Red Dead Redemption. So this came out in 2010. So I'm definitely cheating our uh, our classic game cutoff significantly, uh, which is 2005. Eight years ago does not count as classic at all. But like I said, I feel like this game was kind of kind of was it was a classic as soon as it came out because everybody uh, you know loves it so much. And since Red Dead Redemption Two just came out. I had never played this one before, and I'm not really I'm not even planning on buying Red Dead Redemption Two, but I was like, you know, now's the time for me to finally play Red Dead Redemption because I've heard so many. I've only heard good things about this game, and I never have actually played it. So now's the time for me to finally do this. 
So I'm going to talk about it now. If you don't feel like listening to it, just skip ahead a couple minutes and, and you'll be all good. I, I can't skip. It's live. Okay. Well, you have to listen. Oh, fuck. I'm just kidding. I love Red Dead Redemption. Okay. I was, I was about to ask. I figured you did because once again, everybody It's does. been a long time since I played it, but I really enjoyed when I sure. played it. I liked it. I did not absolutely love it. And I think it's really just a matter of how games have progressed since then. I think it's, I don't think it's completely outdated by any means, but I think there are aspects of it that are a little bit outdated to where I'm pretty sure if I, I don't know why I didn't play this when it first came out, but if I had played this when it first came out, I think I really think that I would have loved it just as much as everybody else does. But playing it now, the gameplay got a little bit, a little bit repetitive for me. Um, That's very true. Do you you think so? Really? Yeah, I do remember. I do remember the gameplay being very repetitive. It's been man. I actually kind of want to play this now. (laughs) (laughs) They do. You know, obviously, it's a it's an open world Rockstar game. They do a very good job of 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 that of making it open world making all the scenery look fantastic, giving you different things to do. Um, compared to open world games today, there's not maybe not quite as much to do as you would expect going back, or as you maybe remember going back. Sure. Um, and then the problem with the repetitiveness is 90% of the missions just boil down to you shooting a bunch of guys. And they they do a good typical Rockstar. <laughs> well, they I mean Rockstar overall, and even to to some extent in this game, overall they do a surprisingly good job of coming up with new ideas for missions. I think they, especially in the Grand Theft Auto games, I've always been surprised at the missions they give you and how they think of other things to do besides shooting a bunch of people. Now, shooting a bunch of people certainly always happens, but. They do a pretty good job of coming up with other things to do as well. I feel like that's a little bit less true in Red Dead Redemption. Sure, certainly there are other things you can do. There are other missions where you're doing something besides shooting people. But to me, so many of them still, the vast majority of them did still boil down to, yeah, um, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and then you're going to have to shoot a million guys. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, then you're going to have to shoot a million guys. Now you have to ride your horse halfway across the map, and then you're going to do a mission where you shoot a bunch of guys. Now you're going to ride your horse halfway across the map the other direction, and do something where you shoot a bunch of guys. The story is very, very good. Uh, Also, the voice acting and the writing are all very good as well. I I didn't finish the game, um, but I did watch about the past about the last hour i guess the final hour of it on you know one of these youtube videos that where it just cuts out all the gameplay and just shows all the cutscenes. you know yep i was extremely impressed with the story i thought the ending was fantastic i really think they did some some interesting things um really much more so uh than than even grand theft auto games which sometimes wow. are a little bit they are grand theft auto games have dynamic stories but not necessarily i would say super good stories for the most part in my opinion whereas this story i thought was very good uh the like i said the voice acting some of the voice acting that i've ever heard in a game honestly um but 
eventually I just got tired of every every mission. It's just like, okay, now I got to shoot a whole lot of guys. And then this is going to happen. I'm going to shoot more guys and this and that. So I thought it was, I do think it's a very good game. I don't feel like it holds up to this complete this completely epic status that it's kind of been given um and i hate to say that because i'm the only one that i've ever heard say anything negative about it and i don't want to just say that just because but yeah i i do feel like it's lacking a little bit nowadays even though i do think it's overall still a very good game very impressive game and especially for its time i can see how it blew everything out of the water I think if a lot of people revisited it, they may have a similar feelings or at least a little bit uh, leaning more towards that direction. Because I have very fond memories of this game. What's, what's funny is I, I, don't, I don't believe I ever owned this game. I rented it and borrowed it from people. So I never got to finish it. But oh, I did you never did? the time I spent on it. Huh, interesting. Okay. Huh? Well, there's my hot take on Red Dead Redemption. Sorry that I broke our 2005 rule by five years. That's fine. I appreciate you. All right, Jay, why don't you tell us about what video game or games you've been playing? Uh, so we're talking about a video game. This was the debut game that was released with the N64. You know what that is? I actually didn't know this was. I knew it was one of the originals, but... Wait, it was uh, one of the, like, launch games? Yes. Okay, that narrows it down to two games. Okay, what do you got? It was, wasn't it? It was Mario 64 and Wave Race. Um, incorrect. According to Wikipedia, this was at least uh, along with the debut of the console. Uh, this was Pilot Wing 64. Oh, maybe it was Pilot. Maybe, maybe Wave Race came later. Okay. I was about to say, maybe it was Pilot Wing. I thought Wings. Wave Race was one of the originals too, to be honest with you. I think it came in with the bundle. I think you got like Mario 64 and Wave Racer or Mario 64 and Pilot Wings. Maybe. I, I think. Because I do remember there being like the big ass plastic bundle that had the 64 and then usually like one controller and, and two uh, two games. Uh, okay, I just pulled it up. It was launched with just two games in the United States, Pilot Wings and Super Mario 64. Okay, we were wrong. Damn, I was with you for a second because I usually, I, I thought I remember the Wave Racer coming out. Maybe they did like a special bundle later on that included Wave Racer. I think Wave Race came out like super shortly after. Okay. Okay, so Pilot Wings is what you played. Yes. Okay. So Pilot Wings is, uh, oddly enough, a simulation game. Uh, I'm kind of alluding into our, our top five. I didn't even think about it till this morning. I was like, oh, it's shit, sort, it's sort of, of a half simulation game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Pilot Wings 64 is a half um, simulation type game where you are a pilot. And there's a, a couple different things that you pilot and you have to complete objectives. And then usually, well, not usually, you have to then land safely in order to complete the level. Um, so you have access to a plane, a jetpack, and then there's a hang glider. And as you can imagine, with the plane, you have to take off and land. Uh, with the jetpack, again, you have to, have to take off and land. And then the hang glider, you start in the air because, you know, how are you going to take off as a hang glider? Um, and then throughout the levels, you have to complete objectives like go through rings. And then you also have to land on a target. Uh, for the plane, you don't have to land on a target. You just have to land on a runway. The jetpack, obviously, landing's pretty easy because you can aim where you're going to position. You're gonna, generally, you're going to uh, position yourself over the target and then slowly lower down. Now, what I learned very quickly is you have to be careful not to be going too fast as you land, especially with the jetpack, because you can easily die. And it's very comical because it's like <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. It's like it's it's like a house of cards. Like your character just collapses and flies off the screen. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's so exaggerated and cartoony. Um, and obviously, this game was the, like I said, it, was, it came out with the console, so it's not insanely. It, the graphics are not crazy good. The music's good. I, I will say that. 
Uh, it's, it's actually quite enjoyable, but it is a little bit repetitive. Um, but as you play the game, you have an option of six different characters. Um, Lark, Kiwi, Goose, Ibis, Hawk, <laughs> and Robin. Yeah, I, I only knew a couple of them. I'm, I'm looking at a list right now. But uh, they, they have different... Uh, it affects their, their flying ability based on who you're playing because their weight and height uh, affect your, your ability to maneuver and, and et cetera, et cetera. So it impacts your gameplay uh, based on who you're doing. And so as you, you, as you play the levels, uh, the first tier you go through, you, 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 know, you play the, the jetpack level, you play the hang glider level, and you play the plane level. And your performance has to be high enough in order to unlock the next world of levels. And you continuously do that. And obviously, as you get further in the game, uh, time becomes more critical, execution becomes more critical, and overall kind of speed becomes more critical because obviously in order to complete certain objectives, you need to be going fast enough. And then obviously be time being critical, being able to move quickly is very critical or it's very important, right? Um, but this game is very fun. And it, it's, it's interesting because I this is one of those games that I think you can enjoy almost as much being a spectator as you can being in the hot seat. Because it's very fun to watch somebody maneuver through these levels. Sometimes you're in these, these snowy ravines and you're flying through with the hang glider and you're getting, going through the rings one by one and then you clip the edge and you fall and you're like, oh shit, now I got to start all over. And other times you make it all the way through and you get right to the end, but you're going too fast and then you crash land and you have to do it over again. And for the first little bit, I wasn't getting mad when I died because I was like, ah, it's fine. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And then eventually I would forget one minor detail and I would die. And, and I was just like, oh my God, like I just want to finish this level to move on. And if you're going too slow, obviously the, the uh, points you're awarded at the end of the level are going to be lower, which means you can't progress. And so you, you kind of go back and forth with it. And it's just, it, it, it's a very fun game. I remember the first time I watched somebody play this, I watched them do the jetpack. The jetpack is really fun because you can shoot the jets forward. You can shoot yourself up. And I, I believe you can even go in reverse, which I didn't use it too much. But the idea is you, you at the beginning, you lift yourself up straight up in the air, and then you fly directly at wherever you need to go. And I, I believe the first level, you have to run into a balloon, if I'm not mistaken, after you, you go through uh, certain obstacles. And so as soon as, I, as soon as I was done with the jetpack level, I was like, I just want to do a bunch of jetpack levels. But unfortunately, you have to play all the levels and, again, do well enough to unlock uh, the, fur, the, the more advanced levels. Um, it, it, it's just graphically, it's a little rough at times. And as you're kind of moving into the, the, the distance, it takes you know, time for the, the map to, to develop or load. And it can get kind of annoying because you're not sure exactly where you need to go or you're not sure which obstacles you're going to need to avoid. So at times it does become a little bit annoying because of how limited the graphics were. And the background can blend really easily too in certain levels that I noticed. Um, oh, the controls okay. aren't too bad. Oh, what were you going to say? Is it, oh, it can? Yeah, it's, it can get kind of annoying. Uh, the controls aren't too bad. You use the C-stick a lot in order to guide your character. Um, and then obviously A and B... Um, have the primary inputs for the actual controls of your character. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the characters are kind of funny when you are when you're about to crash. If you're going too fast into something, your character starts to do this like almost anxiety ridden wiggle, and then when you crash, they just again they sort of explode off the, into the, <laughs> the hang glider. For instance, just go one way, and your dude's going the other way, and it's it's kind of comical. Um, Is there but, any difference in the characters? Yeah, this, so the characters they have different height and weight, so it 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 changes the controls. Um, so certain characters are a little bit faster, certain characters have a little bit better control, um, and so on and so forth. I'm trying to think what else. So yeah, the music was good. Th this game is incredibly well-received. If you haven't heard of this game, uh, definitely take a look into it. This game, it's, it's still fun. It, it really is. It's one of those games kind of like Super Monkey Ball is today. Like, it's just, it's very enjoyable. You can just kind of jump into it and do some ridiculous things. And again, it's it's not bad to just watch somebody play this as well, because it's 
a little bit tense at times because you're going through some of these these difficult obstacles or you're trying to push time and it's almost like you're in the hot seat when you're watching somebody because you, you want them to succeed i would hope um so you, you get a little bit nervous as, as you get you know further and further into this do you um do you when you do you get to choose which which vehicle you're doing or is it like first level is this one second level is this one because i don't remember exactly that okay each level it has a specific uh, equipment that you get for it, and each tier. So each tier or each world has three levels: one for each one of the um, one of the devices. Do you unlock any new vehicles? There's a couple. There were a couple bonus levels that I didn't get to, but I read about them. There's one where you get shot out of a cannon, and I'm assuming you. Oh, I think I remember one. that one. Yeah, I, I remembered it when I read about it, but I was like, I, I, I didn't. I either. I don't know what I, I didn't see in this one or the, the version I was playing. But I would assume, like, when you come out of the cannon, you either have to, like, land using a hang glider or just land on the target. And then there's one other bonus level I was reading about that I was hoping I'd run into. I'm trying to see. No, I don't see anything about it. Do you remember enough about the Super Nintendo one to say which one of these you think you like better? No, actually, I don't. I Oh, man, it actually kind of slipped my mind. Oh, you forgot about the Super Nintendo one? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like I could be wrong. I feel like I like the Super Nintendo one a little bit more. But I geez, like, like graphics more. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. These games were always so weird to me. <laughs> I mean, it's, they seem so random. So, I don't know something about the concept of just oh, you're a pilot and you got to do this this little task. It's it just kind of seems like it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. Always felt maybe that's just me. That's how I I always thought it was like just a little bit weird. But I liked it. I was like, this seems, I don't know where this is coming from, really. It, it, to me, it seems like one of those games where when you buy a game, they kind of throw it in with it. They're like, hey, this this game with it as well. Because, you know, I, I can't imagine you're going to invest a large number of hours into this game. It's going to be one of those things you hop into for, you know, 30 minutes at a time and then maybe play something a little bit longer, like Mario 64. So I think it's one of those games that maybe came like a bonus. It's like, oh, hey, you got Pilot Wings. It's a pretty fun game. It's cool to show people, um, you know, just kind of have people who, don't really play video games or maybe haven't played this much can kind of hop into it. That's a, that's my assumption, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jay. Oh, you're welcome, sir. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Let's talk about top fives. Top five. These are our top five sim slash management games. Um, I should have called them probably management sims would be a little bit more um, accurate, even though it's very close to what I already said. Because I thought about it, sims... That can include like space fighting sims and all sorts of stuff. And which really was, I meant, I, I really think I meant to lean into the management aspect a little bit more, but we'll just see what happens. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention this about Pilot Wings, is there is a replay system. So when you complete a run or a failed run, you can watch the replay of it. And some the ones that are ridiculous where you just completely eat shit, it's fun to watch the replay of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Um. Okay, well, I guess let's go with with Sims or with management Sims or Sim slash management games. My number five. I'll start since you just got done talking for a long time. I'll let your voice rest for a second. Is uh the the Sims? 
The it's, Sims. I didn't know you played The Sims. Oh yeah, I played The Sims a little bit back in. I guess it was. Uh, I think it came out right before I went to college, but I played it a little bit right before. Then I picked it up for a little bit while, a little bit, a couple years later while I was in college as well. And uh, this was a fun game. It, you know, nothing mind blowing, but for the time, it was extremely original. There was really no game like this. And uh, it was kind of fun just to manage a family and just to see, uh, you know, and it's not like a cartoon family or an animal family or something like that. It's just like, okay, this is, you know, basically a regular family and you're managing them and seeing, you know, what their family is going to be like, what you're going to make the people be like, what you're going to make their house be like, what kind of careers you're going to have them have. Uh, the thing that I remember beyond just kind of having a fun time, you know, designing the house and and just, you know, deciding what like they're going to do with their lives and, and even down to their day-to-day activities and who they're going to be friends with and, you know, who are we going to call on the phone and invite for for lunch or to hang out, you know, what which mm-hmm. neighbors do I want to become friends with or, you know, sort of a relationship with and this kind of stuff. The other thing that stands out to me is how little time you have in a given day to do various tasks where did you play? Have you, you've played this, right? No, I watched Lisa <laughs> play it, but not, not my thing. You have the, the amount of time it takes to do things compared to, you know, how, how fast the clock ticks and how, how long you have in a day. You don't have that much to do regular type of stuff to where it's like you have to rush to, you know, make sure you fix dinner or like, uh, I don't know, wash the dishes or sometimes get, you know, make sure you like go to sleep on time where you're, you'll be rushing around just trying to do regular everyday things. And it's like, oh shit, you haven't like found a chance to go to the bathroom yet. All of a sudden your guy pisses his pants Uh, or, or like you're trying to clean up and keep the house clean but you also want to have people over so you can build up your friends, you know, your, your social uh, needs and ha- and you know, make friends and that kind of stuff. And then you like pass out on the couch in the middle of a party, just being too tired or you miss work because you couldn't, because you, you stayed up too late trying to eat dinner or something like that. It's like the most mundane things turn into the biggest chores just because of how long <laughs> it takes to do stuff. Um, but you know, it's, it was a, it was a fun game. I, 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 it was, it was kind of a, one of those that really like suck a lot of time out of me back in the day. So I had fun. I like this one a lot. Cool. All right. What's your number five? My number five is black and white. I'm going to have a couple of bullfrog games on here, uh, but uh, black and white is, it is a very unique game. So you, I, I'm, I'm going to, I have, it's been a long time since I played this game. Um, so I'm going to kind of piece it together to talk through it, but Essentially, the idea is you have this deity that represents your town and you sort of build a city that that honors this deity. And then ultimately, you can use the deity to attack other ones. But a lot of the game consists around constructing a city that can support it. I'm trying to let me see what the actual what they categorize this game as. It's been a very long time since I played this game. I think it would count as a sim. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a reach. So let's see, Black White's a very... Oh, I'm sorry, this is Lionhead. This isn't even Bullfrog. Uh, oh, that's right. Player acts as a god whose goal is to defeat the nemesis. Another Peter Molyneux, Molyneux, which is why you're thinking Bullfrog. Is it really? What a shocker. Yeah. It's a good game. I'm trying to think what this game, like, really... Hmm. How do you describe this game? I would call it, like, a... Uh... Have you played it? Yeah. 
Okay, like I didn't a, realize you had so I figured I've actually figured you didn't. Almost like a god sim or like a civilization he, sim. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, more or less, you're a god and your actions impact how your people view you. And so your, your different actions can either make them happy or make them mad or not like you. And the idea is, is to obviously, what you want to make them happy, but there's all these different things you can do with your god that interact. And, and a lot of it, after a while, you do sort of figure out the easier ways or the quicker ways to do it but it was such a cool game and and playing as this this giant creature i mean the people are the size of his toes like they're um, let's see if i can find a picture actually wow the graphics are way worse than i remember <laughs> yeah that tends to happen that's a normally i don't have that too much but damn yeah that's pretty accurate it looks like the people are about the size of like you could st- as the god you could step on multiple people as once Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You can, like, mess around with your people, too. Yeah, I remember that. They did end up making a second one, which I wasn't super thrilled with, but I thought this game at the time was was a very unique take on on something I had not seen before. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the, the ins and outs of, of making your people happy and just overall figuring this game out because I, I didn't read manuals. I was very young when this game came out because this came out and I wasn't that young, actually. I was about 12. But um, when I started playing this game, I struggled to try and figure it out, and I, I actually enjoyed figuring things out and slowly sort of working my way through it and understanding, first of all, what the point of the game was, and then second of all, how to get there and to be not really efficient, but but pretty quick at it. And I always re- really appreciate this. I don't believe I played the second one. <clears throat> I, I remember. Not. I remember it wasn't well it wasn't well received. Was it not? I don't think so. Let me see. It's not bad. It's like 7.5 to 8 out of 10. It's not too okay. bad. It's higher than I expected. Black and white one is... 90, 97, 93. So Black and White was definitely more well-received than the second one. Yeah, I may actually play this with a podcast soon just to kind of re... Uh, what's the word? To reintroduce it to... Uh, reintroduce the game to myself because it's been a bit... I actually may do that because I don't remember very much about this anymore. Yeah, I may do this soon. This actually does look very interesting. I'm reading about the, play, the gameplay of it. Wow, Peter Molyneux funded the project himself. Hmm. Yeah, he stated he tried to correct the mistakes he made with the design of Dungeon Keeper. That's interesting. Wow. Molyneux had liked the idea of controlling people as a god since the previous venture of Populous, which is another game I've talked about a bunch of times on here. My number four is Theme Park. I know that this was essentially the precursor, not directly, but indirectly to Roller Coaster Tycoon. And I still haven't really played Roller Coaster Tycoon, so that I'm sure would be on my list. If I had played, but I haven't, so it's not. But I did play Theme Park, and I used to really like this game. I didn't play a ton of it, but I really enjoyed what I played. It was kind of, again, it was like a new take on the sim genre. Normally, you're building a city or, you know, more kind of serious things, whereas this one's just like, I have fun, build a theme park. You know, you get to you get to determine how much the french fries cost. You get to see, like, what rides are going to be in your park or you know, what kind of food stands or drink stands and where where the bathrooms are going to go and that kind of stuff. So this was a really fun, you know, different and I wouldn't say necessarily lighthearted because it is a, you know, just as much of a sim as any other sim game like this. But uh, I don't know, but a little bit more lively and fun version of a sim game at the time. So uh, I I really, I really did like this one. Hmm. All right. Number four for you. Number four. Um, so th- this is a bullfrog title. Uh, this is Dungeon Keeper. 
Uh, Dr. Keeper, I know you are not a huge fan of this game. I know you did not have good experience with it. But no, I, I didn't have a bad experience. I just didn't love it. Okay, I, I thought you had a more negative view, viewpoint of it. Uh, I think I will. Yeah, maybe more so than you, yeah. Okay. Um, dungeon Keeper is a sort of dungeon simulation game where you essentially are constructing a dungeon to attract creatures. And based on the layouts that you do and the amount of specific types of rooms, in particular food and training, and obviously bedding, um, if you have extensive, if you have large enough rooms, you'll attract certain creatures, uh, which then will you know, follow your command and will ultimately fight and kill any of the other dungeon keepers um, in the realms. This game is very fun because, at least from my perspective, because one of the cool things about it is early on, it's very exciting to map out what you're going to do with your base. You know, the game sort of starts and you have these these creatures that mine for you. And so you're laying out your rooms and you get to, there's, there's, um, there's sort of a grid of dirt. And you, you have the ability to highlight them, which then encourages your imps to run over and start mining it. And so you can say, okay, I want my training room to be this big. So you make a doorway and then you draw the, the rectangle or the square, whatever shape you want to use for it. And then ultimately your imps mine it out and then you can construct uh, the training room in there. And then obviously you're like, okay, I want to put my gold in the back of my base because if I have it in the front of my base, there's a chance somebody could break in and start stealing it. And if you get far enough ahead, you can actually utilize your, your builders to... Uh, fortify the walls so it's it's more difficult for somebody to break in and what's really what's really cool about this too is uh, as you're sort of building this base up and you're you're, you're putting your your rooms where your, your creatures are going to be the most in the front in the event that somebody tries to break through and what's really fun about this game is is when the enemy tries to approach you'll you'll hear them digging nearby and you hear them get closer and closer and closer and ultimately you can you based on the layout of your base if it's done well well wherever they come out is probably going to be a bad spot and so it, a lot of it does come down to the, the planning and execution of, of, of the layout of your entire dungeon. And I, I have enjoyed this game. I, I think the second one's actually a much more complete game, but I still go back and play the first one more often for, I don't know if it's nostalgia or what, but I, I still really enjoy playing this game every, every so often. Cool. All right, number three is the original SimCity. Uh, original. The original. Don't really have to say much about it. Everybody's familiar with it. It was a breakthrough game at the time. And uh, and I used to play this. I've t- I'm sure I've told this before. I used to play this for hours after school. And my oh, friend, yeah. I had the game. My friend had the game. And we would just call each other up and just talk and tell each other about what was happening with our cities while we while we built our cities. That's so funny. Pretty sure I always, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely did always use the, the infinite, or not infinite, but like the million dollar cheat. Because I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough to like figure out how to make a you know self-sustaining city. But regardless, I had tons of fun just just building the city and seeing how it developed. Awesome game. It started. It start. It basically started the sim genre, or at least got. Maybe it wasn't the very first sim game, but it was the first like really big one at least. All right, what you got? Uh, number three, my as you talked about before, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Uh, this, I, I played Rollercoaster Tycoon, I played Corkscrew Folly, I think it was called, and I played the second one. If Corkscrew Folly is not the second one, then I played the third one. I don't remember um, the exact exact titles for them. But the, Robert talked about this a little bit. These these games are fun, but they do get 
kind of boring pretty fast today. They're a little bit harder to, to take in. But the idea of the game is you have your own theme park and each level you get a designated amount of space that you get to work with. And you essentially will construct roads and then you will also construct lines for your rides and your attractions. And so your, your um, sort of how you lay out your park uh, can really change things because if you don't give ample enough room for lines, well then only five to 10 people can wait in line for a given ride. Whereas if you have a long line, they could be in line. You could have more people in line, which overall will produce more money for you. And the layout of your park is very critical because you need to make, you need to be very efficient with your space, especially in the early levels. Um, and obviously how much money you make, you, you use, you then apply that to uh, build better and better rides or just more rides. Um, on top of that, you can pay for advertising. Um, you control the pricing on food, on rides, on entrance fees, which entrance fees, historically, I think you make the most money from. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, your people give you feedback. So you can actually go to it. There's like a social tab where you can see what people are saying. And they're like, I really like your park. I really hate your park. There's too much to throw up in your park. And so it's like, oh, okay, I need <laughs> yeah, to hire yeah. more janitors. Oh, there's so much, there's garbage everywhere. Okay, I need to add more trash cans. These lines are so long. Okay, I need to shorten the lines up so that only a certain amount of people can wait in line at a time. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, the lines are so long for the merry-go-round. Okay, let me reduce the amount of time that they're actually on the ride so that I can get more patrons to go through and, and obviously make me more money. And there's all these different elements that can ultimately make the game very exciting. But it does get to a point where you go into a level and you say, I already know what I need to do here. I'm going to start from the very beginning. I'm going to set all these things up. And then you're just kind of sitting there waiting for months to pass so that you can you know, progress through the game. Because a lot of the levels are fixed on number of people in your park, um, how much money you've made, how many years you've, how many years in game you've been playing, and, and different uh, achievements like that. And at times it gets a little bit boring because you're just sitting there. You've already won. You're like, I cannot lose. I just have to wait for the two-year mark in order yeah. for the game. Exactly. In order for the trigger to... Uh, excuse me for the event to trigger. Do most people play that? Um, there's, is there like an open kind of like SimCity style? Yes. Is, is that what yes, most people and, do? Uh, I don't know. I played through, I've done both and it is very fun. And oh, I forgot to mention this too. You can construct your own rides. It's in particular roller coasters. So you can actually design a roller coaster. Now you have to be careful though, because you actually do set the speed on how fast the ride goes at the beginning. And so if you screw it up, you can actually shoot patrons off the ride and they fall and die. And if people <laughs> die, guess what happens to your park? It dies too, because people are like, I'm not going to Jay's park because 16 people died on a single ride. <laughs> nice. Of course, These are very fun games, and now I want to play one, so thanks, Robert. I think I think I will probably play this next year. This will probably be one of my New Year's resolutions. I would research and find the most liked one and play that one. Because it's it's roller. It's two. It's two. Okay. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. I, You know, honestly, I will probably play this in the near future too. So maybe we can. Oh, also, we forgot to mention, you do get to decorate your park. So you get to plan out the landscape. If you want to do like a desert Egyptian theme, you can do that. If you want to do like a rainforest type thing, you can do that. And there's all these different aesthetic things you can add, like sprinklers and, and um, benches and trees and stuff. So you, there's a lot to this game. And again, it does get a little repetitive, but there is some pretty decent depth to, to the Rollercrest Tycoon series. Yeah, I've heard there is. It sounds like there is from, from what I've heard. Um, okay. I now want to play. <laughs> I do too. My number two is SimCity 2000. Uh, oh, buddy. Wow, what's your number one? You'll Sorry. see. Sorry. You'll see. Uh, let's talk about SimCity. Let's give SimCity 2000 its, its day in the sun. Uh, no, I don't really have much more to say about this one. I mean, again, it's just SimCity, but better. And yeah. this, this is my favorite SimCity game. 3000 is... It has its, its strong points. Uh, SimCity 4 is maybe 
arguably just overall a better game than this one but my my personal favorite is SimCity 2000 I just love the way it looks it's got a little bit more depth than the original SimCity um and that's really what it comes down to for me I like it a lot yeah I agree with you cool thanks Jay uh my number two is another bullfrog game this is theme hospital uh, which I talked about the podcast what in the last six three six months I think but uh, uh wait which one but theme hospital uh, oh, oh, oh yeah 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 okay so theme hospital I'll briefly touch on it because we obviously talked about it on the podcast it's a bullfrog game where you are uh, you are overseeing a hospital and so you start off by by just having a couple of doctors and a couple of people to do um the what do you call it the, the nurses they're they're the nurses at the front desk um so they keep people moving in and out and then start saying it again receptionist oh receptionist thank you that's the right that's the right term uh what's exciting about one of, one of the first elements that really took me by surprise for this game based on hold it is is you actually get to choose who you hire and they have different there's there's a certain uh, attributes that the the employees have that will make you will encourage you to pick them over other people but they cost more money so you kind of have that weight at the beginning. You're like, oh, I'll take a shittier person for for cheap for cheap now, and then later on I'll get get some better doctors. Now here's the fun part. So theme hospital, you get to lay out, you get to put out your rooms, you get to put out the you know soda machines, benches, whatever you need, fire extinguishers. But then you say, but what ailments do people have in theme hospital? And I would say pretty much everything you would expect. You have people's heads are overinflated, so they need to go to the head popping machine and then to have their heads reinflated afterwards. Uh, there's the really common case we have here in Arizona in particular where people turn invisible. So you have to go to the doctor's <laughs> office where I believe they electrocute you in order to bring you back to reality. Um, I, I'm totally kidding, obviously. But I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. But there's there's these ridiculous ailments that, that people have in this game. And it's really funny to see. The big head one is my favorite because you just see this this little body with this big ass head walk through the door. And you know they talk to the receptionist and then they go sit down like it's normal. Uh, then they go see the doctor, they consult with them. The doctor's like, well, I, I think this is the treatment, even though I've done this a thousand times. And then you go into the actual room. The doctor puts you in this machine. He literally pops your head with a big ass looking needle, uh, needle looking thing, and then reinflates it to normal size. And you're like, hey, that was a great prognosis. And it worked, even though I have a skull in there somewhere that you didn't see. But uh, it, it's really funny to see. The first couple of times you see some of the ailments in this game, it, it'll catch you by surprise. Um, but this game, similar to, to uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon, it does get repetitive and it doesn't have as much to it as Rollercoaster Tycoon. But the visual elements, some of the audio that comes through that you hear is pretty funny. And just the overall feeling of the game is is quite enjoyable. They actually just did a mobile release for this, and I believe it's actually pretty good. So for anybody oh, really? who is any interested in Theme Hospital, I, I, I could be mistaken, but I saw something recently about um, them doing a mobile version of it. And I would recommend it. it. It's a fun game. It's just it's just a little over the top. They just came out with a game called Project Hospital. That's like a uh, very clearly inspired by uh, Theme Hospital. Of course, right? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Number one. Mine is Front Page Sports Football Pro. And it ah, was either okay. the 1993 or the 95 version. I'm not sure. I can't really remember exactly which. Um but this was the first sports like sports management game that I played. You can you you actually can play in the games and you know control the players you know in an actual game while you're playing this. But primarily, this is a uh, this is a management game where you're you know figuring out who you want your coach. You're going through the draft and deciding who you're going to draft and stuff. And then during the off season, it's like I want my guys to train you know, 
weights for this many hours a day and practice plays for this many hours a day and this kind of stuff. Uh, it's got it's got uh, character creators. It's I believe it's got team creators where you can you know not only are you uh, drafting and stuff, but you all but you you know decide what your team's going to be, what their name is, what their colors are, and uh, you can even it, it even you can even create plays, offensive or defensive. Um, it's just it, I remember just spending so many hours with this because it was the first game I had played like this, and to this day I have not played a sports. Sim- well, I, I guess to be fair, I don't play many sports simulators or very, almost at all. But I've never played a sports sim that's more in-depth than this one. Sure, they probably exist. I know Football Manager is, is huge. It's probably I'm, I'm sure it's probably more... Uh, I'm sure it's probably deeper than this one is. But I uh, that's not a game that I've played. Regardless, this, was, this astounded me with the depth of it. And it was so much fun taking this, at the time, different slant on a sports game that I, uh, I just... I really, really, really loved this game. All right, so what's your number one? Uh, my number one is SimCity 2000. Nice. Uh, for a lot of the same reasons you talked about, SimCity 2000 is my favorite of the SimCity series. Yep. Um, I love the the weather effects that you can ultimately doom your, your city on. Um, I love all the different interactions you, you have, oh, excuse me, with all the different mechanics. Um, you have with the with the different building types and i love just just spending time planning out my city and ex- ultimately just expanding across the entire map it's just a very very enjoyable game yeah one of the i i, I love also expanding across the map and just kind of seeing how it develops over time and mm-hmm. how, how it looks yeah it's cool right because you like start off with like a little small corner and you're slowly working your way through it slowly working your way through it, and then finally you get it and you're just like oh that's just so cool yeah all right Good list as always. Yeah, it was fun. I like that one. Our next top five is going to be games that you don't understand the appeal of. Um, yeah, and and we kind of preface this as well by saying, you know, this isn't for us to just drill into games that we don't like and, and you know just kind of hate on things. It's more of there are some games that are super popular that we just we don't enjoy and it's just kind of interesting to us just kind of from um, people who enjoy classic games, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you explained it. That's yeah. I was about to say the same thing. It's, um, you know, I don't, it's, it's in the vein of, I really don't like it. Plenty of people get plenty of people love this and I just don't get it. Yeah. Cool. Let's, we will do that for next time. Send yours to mail at classicgamingpodcast.com and you can be on an email just like these that we're about to read. What? We don't do that. All right, first email is actually one that was meant for the last episode, but it got caught by our spam filter. Ooh. Oh, nice. Which reminded me to check it, our spam filter again to make sure it didn't catch anything else, but no, this is it. So this was from Ryan. Sorry, Ryan, that we missed it last time, but uh, but here's Ryan's email for the previous episode. Subject line, I'm going to totally be famous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Oh, wait, that's Robert's line. Anyway, I hope you all have a have had a great podcast. So I have some big news. I submitted my Final Fantasy 1 on PSP any percent speedrun to an event happening close to me and was selected. Nice. Hey, cool. 
November 7th, around 1 p.m., I will be live on stream at DreamHack Atlanta. Wow. One of their scouts dropped into my stream and invited me to submit. I think he went on speedrun.com and pulled up anyone who lives in Georgia. I'm excited and anxious at the same time. The RNG in the game is awful, so I haven't touched it in eight months. I now have one month to get good. That happened on Wednesday, so I'm still high on that. That's sick. Awesome. <laughs> so this is uh, DreamHack Atlanta on November 17th at around 1 p.m. Okay. Game of the quarter vote. Not really sure. Actually, hold on. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to try to catch this if I do, if I can. Okay. Game of the quarter vote. Not really sure. Oh, well, I guess this doesn't matter anymore because we already decided. Um, oh, in fact, I talked to Ryan about this via Twitter. And he told me that he did vote, for, he was going to vote, and he did, for, for Double Dragon. So technically, Double Dragon should have won, but he said to, to just keep it as it was so that if, you know, if anybody's already bought Giants, Citizen, Kabuto, that we don't screw them over by, by changing up on them. So the game of the quarter is going to stay as Giants, Citizen, Kabuto, but Ryan did vote for Double Dragon, which would have broken the five-way tie that we had <laughs> if we had read this in time. Um, he says, uh, not really sure about any of the picks, but I have a ROM of Double Dragon, so I'll vote for that one. Relive my boyish fantasy of going through the town, beating the crap out of people to save my hot girlfriend, who for some reason also likes my brother. Did that creep out anyone else? Unless I'm missing something in the story, both Jimmy and Billy want her. Yeesh. Bet that makes family reunions awkward. I'm sorry, I don't remember enough of the, of the Double Dragon lore to remember if that bothered me or not. Do you remember that at all? No, not really, but based yeah. on what he's talking about, it sounds a little, a little weird. Sounds <laughs> a little funny. Top five, my list is missing some games I would normally put on, but they've been remade recently, like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Both good games that were classics on the system, but I think the recent activity with them pushes them down the list. Number five, Metal Gear Solid. I've never played... This is, for, this is by the way, for um, the, the games that we were voting on that we wanted on the PlayStation Classic. Metal Gear Solid. I've never played it, but it's a classic. I had a lot of friends who played it and loved it. It was good enough that it has spawned a number of follow-on games. Uh, also, the lack of analog sticks means later entries would be impossible to play on this mini. Number four, Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> it's super cheesy, but fun. I played the heck out of this game on a demo disc I had, so I've only played Me the first too. two levels. Like every. <laughs> Like everybody else, I didn't know anyone who had the game, but we all had the demo disc. <laughs> Number three, Resident Evil 1 or 2. The survival horror genre really took off during the PS1 era. Again, not games I have played, but you can't have a classic without these. I know the first doesn't use analog sticks, but I don't know about two. Again, the lack of analog sticks restricts the game list. You could always put Silent Hill in this slot if you like it better. Speaking of Silent Hill, when is Robert going to play Silent Hill? Ha ha! Spoilers. We all voted on Twitter that he was supposed to play that game. I had not forgotten. Yeah, Robert, are you going to keep to your word ever? <laughs> Number two, Swickadin. My brother was a huge fan of this game. So again, not one that I played, but it is a great game. You're building an army to crush an evil empire. Cliche much. However, trying to collect all 108 characters. I think it's 116. Or no, it, is it 108? Maybe it is 108. I'm just making that up. Yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. 108. And figure out different combos is fun. <clears throat> Number one, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. How many lists did this appear on? Whichever list didn't have this game is invalid and should be deleted from the <laughs> podcast recording. 
This game is a classic and, in my opinion, the best 2D Castlevania game. Heck, it spawned the genre of Metroidvania. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Ryan, because this came out after, first of all, many other Castlevanias, and also after many other many Metroids. So, I don't believe... I have to disagree that it spawned the genre of Metroidvania, but I do agree that it was a very influential game, although I have not played this. He says, Awesome mechanics, great sprite work, and the music was amazing. The Tragic Prince is my favorite track. Gotta run. Look forward to hearing the podcast. And that's from Ryan. <clears throat> All right, Jay. Okay. Let me uh, pull up this thing, and you can go for the next one. If you think you can handle it. I don't know, you're making me nervous. Oh, can you send me the link again? Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm working on it. Pretty good. Hurry up, Robert. Oh, oh, here we go. Perfect. Uh, okay. All right. This next one is uh, from. Nobody says. This one's from. This one's from Bo. <clears throat> oh, hold on. No worries. Yeah, I can fix it. You just do the. Oh, you don't have to do that. Put it back. I can just do this. <coughs> I got this. Never mind. Uh, Bo says I haven't uh, haven't really been. Let me zoom it larger here. Thank you, Google, for letting me know about all your new. Uh, features uh i haven't really been able to put stuff to paper in time for the podcast and keep falling behind oh well more or less a short email just to say hello again and join the fun again at least a little hashtag game store memories i kind of blanked on video game store memories i remember finding complete collector's editions of lunar for og playstation for like 20 dollars. that was really cool i liked how PS had some titles like that in big boxes with extra stuff or just more to the manuals. Uh, there was uh, there was once at GameStop I bought the other M and went back the next day to return it and the guy gave me crap for returning it so quickly. Sarcasm, that was nice sarcasm. <laughs> uh, hashtag fighting game moves. I was you happy to hear If you're going to return a game, you think they would want you to return it quickly Yeah, as while opposed it's to still new... Yeah, well, as opposed to play through and as opposed to scratching up the disc while you own it longer. Yeah, that sounds dumb. No. Um, hashtag fighting game moves. I was happy to hear so many people brought up Eternal Champions from Sega Genesis. The finishers there were all really amazing for the time, even compared to some MK2 stuff. I remember in Killer Instinct actually pulling off Orchid's longest combo chain in a live match against my brother. That was epic. Mm. The 10 plus hours of practicing, it was well worth wow. it. Uh, Yoshimitsu Seppuku move, uh, the stabbing self in chest was a favorite of mine too. Actually does way more damage to opponent than self if you land it right. Land that right once and people think twice about rushing you with your back to them. Um, hashtag PlayStation Classic once. I haven't looked to see what's been added yet, so I'd love to see on the uh, PS Classic Bushido Blade, Air Guys, Breath of Fire 3 or 4, Lunar, Silver Star Story Complete, and Parasite Eve. That's a good list. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Giant Citizens Kabuto looks very neat, but I'm kind of super dry on funds with winter here and heating bills kicking in. One of these days, y'all will pick a game I already have or can get easily at the time to join there too. Well, that's real. All excuse me. That's all really. Be well and thanks for the podcasts. Looking forward to each one as they come out. Oh, thank you, Bo. 
Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you. Next one's from the next one's also from Bo. He says, I totally forgot this week's top five. Hopefully made the deadline. Short email, had a hard time remembering names of the games. Uh, number one, SimCity. <laughs> Loved this game to death. Still do. Great game. Sparked an amazing-ish as of late series. Number two, Game Dev Tycoon. The good one from Green Heart Games. Scratches, excuse me, scratches that I should make my own games itch without all the financial commitment and too late realizations that was a mis- that it was a mistake. Inexpensive on Steam, easy to learn, lots of fun making your own game narratives while naming and developing the games. This game, uh, I've been wanting to play this game for a while. It looks pretty good. Number three, I forgot the name of it, but it was basically Sim Theme Park, but for mini golf. Wow. PC what? game. That sounds really good. Could You can make some very interesting holes and courses, and then you got to play them too. I loved it. It was an old Windows ME slash 98 game. Wow. Uh, I'm sure there are other, I'm sure there are modern, better ones out now. That sounds really interesting. Actually. I, I'm not familiar with this. Number four, does Civ four count? Eh, no, I w- I'd say that's more strategy, not so much Sim, but okay, whatever. And number five, Populous for SNES. Yep. I've talked about it before. I enjoyed it once it got past the learning curve. Yep. I can agree with that. Honorable mentions, Sim roller coaster. Game should have been awesome, but never got to run on my computer even once. Huh. Just just clicked how silly and simple the name Roller Coaster is for that attraction type. Just kind of rolls and coasts. Kind of dull, really, for such an intense attraction. <laughs> have a great one, guys. Thanks again, Bo. <laughs> Thanks for the follow-up. That's funny. That is kind of a, if you think about it, for, the, for what a roller coaster is, the term roller coaster actually does sound a little bit. Uh, subdued. All right, last one. Jay, you got this. This is from Chase the Night Cleaner. Oh, I was always enjoy reading his. Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner writing in yet again. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Uh, I'm doing good. I am well as well. <laughs> uh, let's see. I like what you guys are focusing on today. Sims and management games aren't always celebrated, but they can be a real fun time. I play many Sims, many Sims games, excuse me, Sims on my cell phone and have a real soft spot for Kairosoft games. Is that right? Uh, hold on, I wasn't Kairosoft following. K A I R O Soft. Highlighted on here so I can see where you were. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Kyro, I haven't heard of that. Co- but that's, uh, that's what I would they say. cost a bit of money. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said I haven't heard of that, but that's that's how I would pronounce it. Yeah, same. Uh, they cost a bit of money if you want to avoid ads, but can but can help you pass the time on a commute when you don't have access to a switch. Nice plug. Uh, I don't want to throw down a full top five, we'll, but we'll definitely bring up a few uh, less discussed Sims games you may never play, but that produced an interesting gaming experience. A, or number one, Evil Genius for PC. I saw this listed on actually quite a few lists. Um, ever wanted to, to be... Say it again? I've been wanting to play this for a while. Yeah, it looked interesting. People were kind of raving about it from what i saw yeah um so he says ever wanted to be the evil mastermind of a sweet under volcano base well this is your game you get to build a base set up traps capture good guys and use them to improve your countermeasures against future intrusions not all the systems in this game work great but it is different and it was sure fun while i played it many years ago i hear there is a sequel coming up uh number two dwarf fortress oh shit 
Yeah, I would have definitely had this if it was a. I was uh, say. If it was, if this was a classic game, I definitely would have discussed this. Uh, this is very inaccessible game. Excuse me. This very inaccessible game has horrible graphics and a bunch of. Crazy whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on, Chase. Horrible graphics. Clearly, you just don't understand the beauty of ASCII graphics. Oh my gosh! You set them off. This I actually I really truly love the way that Dwarf Fortress looks. I think it uh I I get it, but I don't think you can just say it has horrible graphics. Why don't you say you don't? Uh, like you it? didn't let him finish, by the way, because this is a long paragraph, and I don't think we'll, he's gonna we'll put see. It on here I don't think he's gonna say. It. Just kidding. The graphics are just kidding. I like it. I'm just gonna say I love the way that ASCII graphics games look. I I truly love. Games that use uh, ASCII characters for graphics, or I, visually, I think they, I really, really do enjoy the way that those games look. So. You okay? So we're just going to pretend that he said beautiful graphics. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. Ready? This very inaccessible <laughs> game has horrible graphics and a bunch of you crazy systems that don't make much sense unless you spend lots of time watching tutorials on YouTube. I'll, sorry, I'll interrupt once again. I do agree with that part. A bunch of crazy systems that don't make sense unless you watch... Sp- Spend lots of time watching tutorials on YouTube. That is 100% accurate. That's a huge turnoff, too. <laughs> it's wor- it is worth it, but uh, that is definitely true. Trust me, I'm, I'm right there with you. The, a lot of the games that I'm obsessed with, you have to either do research on your own or ask people for help. So. Oh, really? Right there with you. Uh, so why play this game? Because those systems interact in such a way to make... Uh, excuse me. Uh, because those systems interact in such as a way to make for an incredible stories for this colony of dwarves you're trying to keep alive. There is so much detail in every aspect of this game down to the sanity of your dwarves. Not to mention there are hostile forces that you can encounter on accident that will challenge even your safest build of a fortress. There are a number of graphic graphics packs you can get that tidy up the appearance of the game. You mean change the mar- appearance of the game? Say it again? You mean change the appearance of the game? What did I say? Uh, well, he said, Chase said tidy up. I believe oh, okay. he means just change. Okay. Why is that so important? I, I'm I'm halfway joking. I'm saying because tidy, oh, okay. up, tidy up implies that you're making the graphics look better. I'm saying, yes, there are tile sets that you can do to change the graphics. If you want something inferior to ASCII graphics, sure, you can get little oh, tile pictures God, and stuff. Go. go for it. You're into that. Uh, he's never going to forgive you for this. I hope you realize that. Anyways, uh, there are mods you can pick up. Excuse me. Uh, there are a number of graphics packs that you can get that tidy up the appearance of the game. And there are mods that you can pick up that make managing your dwarves easier and tidy up the UI. Honestly, though, this game is about the stories, the things that bring down your entire colony. It is, it, is it a plague chicken that gets served to your people? Does someone accidentally dig up into a river and flood your mining cavern? Did your eccentric artisan blacksmith stop eating one day and sit on the stool for a week only to go into a murderous rage in in your town bizarre <laughs> did you dig too deep uh did you dig too deep lord of the ring style and find the horrors that dwell in the dark this game makes stories happen and telling them is half the fun that is all very true all right you okay you good i agree with all of that the funniest thing is one of the one of like the most like ludicrous things about this game is uh, some of the lists, is particularly when you're choosing the stuff that you want to embark with. I don't know if it's still the same way, but there are so many lists in the game 
that are hundreds, if not thousands of items long, but they're not in alphabetical order. <laughs> so you just have to scroll forever, just looking to hoping, hoping you find the, the, whatever the list is, hoping you find whatever it is that you're looking for in, in said you're list. You're not selling this right now, just so you're aware. I, I, I understand, but, uh, I, I love this game, but yeah, it has some serious UI issues. Cool. Any final thoughts? Are you good? Um, I could I could go on forever, so I'll just let that be it. Okay. Uh, so he goes on to say, now for the question of the day, what is one of your favorite gaming stories you like to tell other people? Story of glory slash tale of fail. Don't care what it is, but when you talk uh, games with other people, what is one tale you always seem to bring up? Hmm. That's a good one. Let's see. The Techno Super Bowl one I told you last time was pretty good about What's my that? dad practicing behind his brother's oh, back. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty funny. Um, uh, I got another one. Let, let me know if, if you... No, you go. You go ahead. So we're actually related to the same brother of, of my father. Uh, we used to talk about, you know, we were all sort of semi-jokingly racing to see who could beat uh, the Mar- the Super Mario 1, 2, and 3 for the regular, uh, regular Nintendo. And uh, actually, my uncle, he told my dad, he said uh, one day, he's like, hey, uh, I beat Super Mario Brothers 2. My dad's like, yeah, bullshit. And he's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, spoilers for anybody who hasn't played Super Mario Brothers 2. He's like, um, yeah, the whole thing's just a dream. And when you, you wake up at the end of the game, and it, it's just kind of a, kind of a letdown. And my dad's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He took a picture using one of those old school cameras and mailed the picture to us as proof. <laughs> my dad still has the photo. And it's so funny. It's just a picture of Mario <laughs> dr- sleeping with a dream bubble. Uh, sort of in, camp, in, in closing the, the final scene of the game. And it was so funny because we were speechless. We didn't think he'd actually produce it. That's pretty good. I uh, I don't know if I necessarily have any... I, I My stories would be more along the lines of kind of what he was sort of talking about in regards to Dwarf Fortress. Like, oh, I played this game and listened to what happened during this playthrough. Um, I've had situations like that in Crusader Kings 2 that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some, I've had plenty in Dwarf Fortress as well, even Europa Universalis 4. Um, I think like for instance, in Crusader Kings, one of my favorites was I, uh, divorced my wife because I found out she was cheating on me with some, with some dude. And, uh, so you can, you can, it's hard to get a divorce in that game. You have to get permission granted explicitly from the Pope, but I was able to do it. So I divorced her and I was trying to find a new wife to marry. (laughs) And I was like looking at all the people who were available to marry. And this one woman had like really good stats. And I was like, Oh, well, if I get her, then our kid, you know, you know, I'll have good stats governing the realm. And then our, our child, which generally inherits uh, to some extent, inherits your stats. I won't go too deep into it. I was like, our child will be really good. This, this she'll be, she'll be awesome. So I married this woman and then I realized that it was the same exact woman that I just divorced. Oh, no shit. <laughs> like, hey, you're, hey, what's up? Good looking. It's like, dick. You're like, oh, no, not her again. <laughs> so that was a good one. And then I guess one of the ones that I like in um, in Dwarf Fortress is not actually one that happened to me, but it's kind of a, a story that is a good, um, it's like a really good anecdote of of how deep the systems in the game go and how like just in depth it all is where Mm -hmm. there's this one bug for a while where i guess it was a pseudo bug where after this one update 
people noticed that there was uh, cat vomit all over the place in their fortresses. And, like, just all the floors were just covered in cat vomit. Like, all the time, basically. Uh, partic- particularly in in uh, places where the dwarves would eat. But n- people couldn't figure out, like, why is there, after this update, why is there cat vomit all over the place? And uh, the, the guys who developed the game, they <laughs> looked into it and they finally, they discovered that what had happened was um, the dwarves would be at the dining hall of your fortress eating and drinking a beer because all the dwarves drink for, to sustain themselves is beer or rum or wine. That's, that's, that's what they drink. They use water for other things, but not for drinking. And, uh, there is a bug where they would be sitting there eating and then they would, the, the AI would say, Oh crap, I need to go do this, this task instead of eating right now. So they would start eating Realized they needed to run off and go do something else. And they would toss their like mug on the floor and it would spill out and they would walk off and do their task. And the cats were walking around on the ground. The cats would, the cats paws absorbed the alcohol and then the cats would lick the alcohol off of their paws. And when they did that, it counted as the, cat drinking the entire mug of beer or whatever it was that they spilled. And then they would do that a few times and get sick and throw up from drinking too much. So that's what was causing cat vomit to be all over the place. I actually have some really good ones. Should I go ahead and talk about these now? I was going to talk, I was going to bring these up um, with my, uh, in the current gaming subcast, but I have two stories that fit this really well for one of the games I was playing. One of the newer games I was playing. You want me to go ahead and bring it up or should we save it? Sure. Up to you. I mean, okay, I'll go ahead and do it since since that. So well, actually, we're almost there anyways, and so since we're on the topic, all right. So I've been playing RimWorld, which is uh, actually very, very, very heavily inspired by Dwarf Fortress, except instead of being dwarves who have embarked up in this place and are building a fortress, you are people who are on a uh, you're basically colonists on this part of a kind of very sparsely populated planet and you are uh you've you've crash landed on this one part of the planet there are other people on the planet but they're miles and miles and miles away in various directions and so you're basically in this one area that you have it all to yourself and you're just trying to start up a colony you start off with three people and you're trying to build places for you to live you're trying to build things to to be productive where you can start building things and crafting things and making new clothes, make weapons, make, you know, just build a big colony, start farming, start training animals. And very, again, very similar to Dwarf Fortress, where you're just seeing how big you can get your little colony going. Eventually other people will, will come by and they'll trade with you, or some people may join with you. And sometimes you'll get people come and try to attack you for basically no reason. And you're trying to fend them off, trying to fend off wild animals while you're building up your colony, trying to get more people to come in, that kind of stuff. That's 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 kind of the flow of the game. Um, so I have so two very funny things happened to me while playing this one. My on my first attempt on playing this game, like I said, you start off with just three colonists. Well, one of them uh, got attacked by a bear one day, and I didn't quite know how to handle this. And the guy who was getting attacked was my best like combat guy. He was the best with guns and best with melee. So I was desperate to save him. So I had, so I brought all the, uh, well, all the, I say all of them. I brought the other two colonists out also and had all three of them start attacking this bear to try to get it off this guy to try to save him. 
Well, the bear ended up killing this guy anyways. And he, uh, wound, like very heavily wounded this girl. So it's just two people left. This, this one guy who survived and this one girl who was heavily wounded. Now this guy and this girl also happened to have fallen in love in just like the previous few days. And so it'll say like when two colonists fall in love, it says like, Oh, they've fallen in love and they want to share a bed together from now on. So, uh, if you want to keep them happy, then you build a larger bed and that bed and you assign it to them and instead of sleeping in their own little beds and they sleep in the larger bed together. So she was heavily wounded. She went and got in their bed and he, he is doing normal things throughout the colony, trying to, you know, keep, keep things, you know, trying to keep up the colony, trying to plant stuff, keep the animals trained, feed himself, find enough food, cook enough food, and also, uh, tend to her. So she didn't die. Well, eventually she did die. So she died in the bed and he goes insane. So the first, the first night he slept in bed with her dead body laying right next to him. Then he finally got Then the next day he got up and eventually buried her. Then I was trying to do all I could to keep this guy sane to maybe, maybe there's a chance that the colony surviving and, uh, eventually traders came by. And they sell all sorts of stuff. One of the things they were selling is were, were joints. And I was like, and, and what and one effect of joints is they can calm people down who are basically having like uh, psychological breakdowns. So I bought every single joint that they had to try to calm this guy down. He went on a binge and smoked all of them in one day, <laughs> which temporarily helped the issue. But then he just basically went crazy again a few days later. Uh, he went, he, he survives for a long time, but eventually went so crazy that he went back to his girlfriend's grave and dug up her body and set it down at the end of his bed and yeah, kept it there. that's a little creepy. <laughs> so that was one. There was another one. This is a much shorter story, I promise. Um... I, this is on the colony that I'm going, that I'm playing right now, and I think it's about to crash and burn. It's it's basically halfway through the crash and burn phase right now. I got pretty, fairly big. I had like eight people in it at one point. There were a couple of raids where people were attacking me, and I was able to fight them off, but I but a bunch of people got heavily injured during the most recent one. And uh, at the same time, it was a really bad time because a bunch of people got heavily injured. I was also low on food, and a few people had the flu, so... Like four people died because they had wounds and the flu. And also, since they don't have much food, obviously that makes things worse. So keep in mind, there's there, the people are low on food. Some people are in this like little tiny hospital that I've kind of built that, that houses just all the sick people. And uh, the, the graphics on RimWorld, it's not ASCII graphics like Dwarf Fortress, but it's... It actually looks the, the 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 they use the same exact graphics as uh, Prison Architect if you're familiar with that, which is very simple cartoon drawings. There's not really any animations. You just see the characters moving around, and when they're doing something, usually they just kind of like go up to an object and sort of like move around on it. And you can tell like if it's a tree, they're probably chopping the tree down. But sometimes you can't really tell exactly what's going on, so you have to hover the mouse over the character. And when you whenever you do that on a character, it tells you what that character is doing at that moment. So I've got all these people in the, in these hospital beds and this guy 
This one of the characters who who was not like mortally wounded, he was trying to tend to the other people the best that they could. Keep in mind, once again, I'm low on food. Well, there's so many corpses that they hadn't had time to bury all the corpses yet. I see him pick up one corpse, and uh, <clears throat> it was a character named Arthur's corpse. I see him pick up Arthur's corpse, and he's carrying it around. And then he goes up to, uh, he, he carries it into the hospital, which is just a little room with four little beds. And he walks up to one of the beds where one of the people are, and he's standing there next to, uh, he, Martina was this was this one wounded person in the hospital. Uh, he walks up to Martina holding Arthur's corpse, and he's kind of like moving around, like right next to her. And I'm like, what is he doing? What's going on right here? So I hover over him. And you know what it said, what he was doing, what his action was at that time? Feeding Arthur to Martina. What the fuck? (laughs) She was sick and hungry and we were out of food. So he literally picked up Arthur's corpse and walked up and was feeding it to her in her hospital bed. That's crazy. It was crazy. All right. I hope our listeners enjoyed that story as much as I did because (laughs) those are long ass (laughs) stories. (laughs) We either lost a lot of listeners or we didn't just now. I'd say you're good. Props if you props if you're still with us. I fast forwarded, but that's just me. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Robert. Um, that's all I got. Sorry, that was like 45 minutes long. What, what's the, let's why don't we wrap up Chase's email? Oh, that. Oh, I wait. Did we not finish his email? No, because he Holy asked what are our favorite game I stories. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Wow. Uh, wow, that's I think great. we're right um, here. Yeah, I see it. So he goes on to say, I've got some great <clears throat> EVE Online stories that I can throw that I throw out when I can. There are also some great moments playing Street Fighter 2 and 3 in Arcade. And that's it for me. As always, thanks for doing what you do and offering up this great section of your podcast. Cheers, Chase the Night Cleaner. Uh, you should send in an EVE story. Those are always good. Yeah, I actually really agree. <laughs> EVE is such a freaking unique game. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, that does it for emails and almost does it for my voice as well. So I guess it's time to pretty much wrap it up. We will go to current gaming subcasting, even though I've basically done mine already. <laughs> uh, besides RimWorld, I've been play- I played it. I did another playthrough of Europa Universalis 4. Fun as always. I played as Muscovy, which you can turn, which eventually, if you want to, you can uh, turn it into Russia. That was super fun. And also, I finally, finally bought Street Fighter V. And I've been playing that in really having a whole lot of fun with it. I was, I don't forgot why, but I got the bug to play street fighter again recently. And I was like, you know what? I need to, it's been too long. It's been out for like years now. I need to finally play street fighter five. And I got it. And it's got some, uh, it's, there are two, two big problems with it. One, it has like microtransactions out the ass, which is ridiculous, especially for a game like this. And also, there are so many damn op- like in the menu system, like the like the main screen when you when you get in, and you're at the main menu. There are like 14 different things to choose from. There's like 14 different ways to fight different things and different people and different computers, and it's it's all a little bit insane. But uh, <laughs> gameplay wise, very very awesome. Better than Street Fighter Four in my opinion. I'll stop there. What do you have? Nothing, as always. I know. Nothing, as always. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of doing my thing. I, I rotate between some games every once in a while, and I'll join some, some random things with people, but 
I'm not really playing anything consistent right now. Okay. You heard it here first. Right? True. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Then I think that does it for this episode. Once again, our game of the quarter, which <clears throat> if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a new listener, you don't know what the game of the quarter is. Uh, four times a year, we've started doing this just recently. We pick a game that Jay and I are both going to play. And also all the listeners are invited to play as well and write in their thoughts for the episode that we discuss it. Our game of the quarter, which we will be discussing probably mid-December, is uh, Giants Citizen Kabuto. So if you want to take part in that, pick it up from GOG or something, play it, and uh, write in your thoughts. And we'll be talking about it, like I said, mid-December. Mail us, mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Follow us at ClassGamesCast. Leave us iTunes reviews. Tell your friends about us. Follow me, I'm at King Octavius. Jay, why don't you outro this? Because my throat just died. Uh, did you already plug all social media? Uh, yes, I did. Thank you very much. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you, thank you guys for tuning in. And we look forward to doing another episode here in a few weeks. Good job. Yes. See you all in two weeks.